0: Welcome to another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. It is my pleasure today to have with me a man who many people have asked me when I'm going to talk to, and his name is Derek Cipolletti. He is running for the District 1 seat in the Clay County School Board. Derek, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for carving some time out for me, and uh, I appreciate uh, the platform. Yeah, man. Tell us a little bit about you, because uh, the one question I've been asked more than any other is, who is Derek Derek Cipolletti. <laughs>
1: So, um, grew up in, in North Florida. I grew up off of, over on the west side on 103rd Street. And uh, when I was about 12 or 13, my parents decided to uh, to move out to Clay County. And luckily, they did. Um, graduated from Orange Park High School. Um, was a honestly was a was a decent student. Did not take advantage of what our. Um, our school board had put together at that point. Uh, But I was lucky enough to, to get a scholarship, athletic scholarship, the university of central Florida, Um, obviously started taking school a lot more serious once I got to college and uh, wanted to become a teacher. And um, you know, that's what my father did. He was a public school teacher and uh, my grandfather was as well after being a Navy pilot. Um, So anyways um, did, Got two or three years, two and a half years down at UCF and then came back to University of North Florida and finished up. Uh, started uh, as a security guard at Forest High School, which is now Westside High School, while I, while I finished up. Um, taught social studies at Sandalwood, Orange Park, Fleming Island. Um, and then uh, got a head football job down at Williston High School. Uh, so I moved out of the classroom and into, into the gym and the PE. And so social science education background as far as my degree and, um, and really used the football field to, to teach life lessons and, and try to uh, motivate students you know, that were similar to myself that didn't probably see the value. Uh, a lot of my guys on the football team did not see the value in education. So we, we used to, that to motivate and, and, to, um, and, and to help um, so build young men. So that, that's kind of what, what my background has been.
0: Yeah, well, that's good. So you're no stranger to the education system. Um, you have kids, I, I believe, right? You and I talked briefly before we started. Uh, so you have children, you are a parent, you are somebody who's familiar. So to all the folks who asked me, is this guy just some guy who wants to come in and, and not know anything and, and not be connected that there's the answer to your question. He, uh, Derek has some experience and, and I'm looking forward to Getting into some, uh, you know, some of the school board related issues, but I want to hit you with the hard questions first. There's sure. two questions I always ask. Which one is better, Coke or Pepsi? There's a right answer. I'll let you respond, and I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. I'm I'm all in on Coke. There, there you go, and that's yeah. the correct answer. All right. <laughs> Second question. This is the tough one. Android or iPhone? Where do you stand? Uh, iPhone. For sure. Okay. All right. Cool. That's the right answer there, also. So, all right. Two for two. Yeah, man. So now we got the hard stuff out of the way. Let's talk a little bit about. Um, you have some experience in the education world and you have some successful experience in the education world. You're, you're not a a person who could be um, sort of painted as someone who wasn't successful. There's been some people who've ran for this specific seat in the past who, who, uh, you know, maybe didn't have the experience that folks were looking for and they had some things in their past that were sort of questionable. I don't see that with you. I've looked into, you know, you done a little bit of research and, and it seems like, like I said, you, you not only have experience, but you have successful experience. So what makes you want to jump from uh, interacting with kids in the, in the coaching world and the teaching world to, to running the school board? Why do you want to run? It's simple.
1: You know, now I'm a business owner. So I've got out of public education. I'm in the private sector. Um, I, I, you know, keep it simple, stupid, right? Kiss is, is my motto and what I've kind of lived by my whole life. So um, I want to try to provide and shape the best K through 12 education possible for our kids in our community. I, um, I've seen it happen, obviously, and <laughs> I've been witness to it. Um, uh, you know, I want to provide that quality education for everybody because it's not education is, is helping kids climb the ladder of our society. And that's just not lip service. That's that's real life, and whether that's going to you know a college track and going on to to being a professional or going into the the, the trades, um, I really think it 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 gives that hand up, and uh, and provides you know a, a quality education can provide a platform in a minute, uh, numerous ways. Obviously, um, the other thing is as, as a business owner, I, I want free thinkers and problem solvers and, um, you know, innovators, you know, to be able to hire. And, uh, and as a homeowner, I want to attract families that are moving to North Florida. I want them to see our schools or, are, are, are a wonderful environment, safe environment. Um, you know, and, and those are people that obviously, if they're doing their homework, they're, they're people that care about education. So it turns into basically a snowball, I think, um, you know what? The chicken or the egg? What came first? The good schools that, that built right. the community, or the the good community that built the? I, you know, I don't care, but I, but I want that. I want that snowball effect.
0: Right. Yeah, there's a lot of growth coming. Um, you know, a lot of questions about how to manage it, and how to and how to best prepare for it. Um, you know, so it I, I don't envy anyone who's dealing with, you know, the, the leading of the school district and how do you spend those funds uh, everybody that's read my articles and has listened to my previous podcast knows that I've been very hypercritical of our school district. So I'm always curious to hear from other people. Um, what do you think is going well? Like what, what do you see in the Clay County school district that you think is, is good and right and, and on the right track?
1: So I actually worked for, uh, David Broski, our superintendent of the schools, and I, I saw him, you know, again, witnessed it with my eyes. He's an effective leader. He, he, he does a really good job of, of, of bridging relationships. And, and um, so I think the, the head of our schools is, is obviously an asset right now. Uh, he's doing a good job. I think his uh, Roger Dale, the team that he's put around himself, Roger Daly, uh, is, has got a great vision from what I understand uh, from, from talking to people and learning more about him as far as curriculum, which right now is in this, in this world is, is a tough, you know, uh, balancing act. So I think they've got a great vision for that. I think they're doing some really good things as far as, um, um, you know, they're facing challenges, right? There's a teacher shortage. I think that, um, you know, with, Covid and kids transferring, you know, transitioning back into the classroom full time. I think there's been an upswing in discipline. Okay, uh, that's across um, across the state. You know, you look. Yeah, at I think the across
0: numbers. the country, you probably look at those numbers and see the same thing. There's exactly. More interactions. You know, you've got hundreds of kids together. Kids are going to get in arguments and fights and do things wrong because they're children. They're not perfect. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I would right. imagine. Yeah, imagine that's true nationwide.
1: So I think you know uh, the PLCs that they have going on. Um, you know, which are the professional learning communities. I think that those are uh, spreading best practices across the, um, across the County. I think they're really doing a good job. I think they're providing teachers uh, with, uh, you know, good mentorship. Uh, So I think those are really going, and obviously that's going to affect the classroom and the learning environment. Right. Um, So I think that's, you know, that's a really good um, direction they have us pointed in. I think that obviously Mr. Broski and, and, uh, And and Mr. Daly haven't been in those positions a whole, you know, a long time. So they're still implementing these things and and ramping them up. And, you know, again, you know, not to beat a dead horse on Mr. Broski, but having him come in in the situation that he came in was was pretty, uh, you know, there was a lot of adversity, um, I'm sure, for him moving in. I mean, he he came in in the middle of the COVID crisis. It, at, at some point, I'm sure he was trying to develop a, uh, you know, what the calendar looked like for a traditional year. What it looked like for at-home learning, and then what it looked like at some type of hybrid model.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I, I you know, even as critical as I am of the school district, the the way they were able to effectively put a bunch of different plans to cover a bunch of different scenarios in place. Um, You know, it it was very impressive how they did that. You know, Mm Um, And and big shout out to, uh, to Roger. Um, You know, he, that man has had to talk to me more times than he probably (laughs) has ever wanted to. Every time I send an email to the school board, you know, they, they assign him to come uh, give me their perspective on whatever's going on. And he's, uh, what I love about him is he will just tell you, like he will tell you what he knows and what he doesn't know. You know, it's not always the answer you want to hear, but like, he just like, this is, this is what it is. And and here's, here's where we are. Um, Yeah. I, I think what I hear you saying, I think, uh, you know, the people, People are our best asset, you know, that you could argue about systems and, and, you know, logistics all day. I do think the school district wastes a lot of money on, on a lot of things. But but I think far, far and beyond the, the staff, the, the teachers, um, you know, the people in the schools are the, the county's best asset. Despite all the tumult about, you know, issues and this, that and the other, like the, the people uh, have done a phenomenal job, um, you know. The two teachers my daughter has had so far at her school have been amazing. Just awesome. their, like just there, you know, <clears throat> and you can see that despite the politics and the systems and all the different things going on, like they have a passion for helping little people become people who know more things and have the building blocks to be successful. Um, you know, studies have shown that if a kid is not on reading level by third grade, their likelihood to end up, you know, um, and all sorts of activities uh, that will end them up in jail and in substance abuse and things like that, you know, grow immensely. I think it's like three, they're three times more likely to be involved with those sorts of things if they can't read effectively by third grade. Uh, so, and what I will tell you that the schools that I have been in, in the County have had an all hands on deck approach to getting kids to reading level, you know, and, and it's, it's pretty amazing to see.
1: So I think that's, that'll be one of my main topics or main initiatives uh, is, is finding ways that we can, to your point with the, the, the third grade reading level. So that tells me we need to make sure we're doing everything possible K through, you know, K through two mm-hmm. to get the best teachers in those, in those slots. Yep. Right. Um, and, and then obviously whatever we can do in the, you know, pre K as well, you know, with VPK and, and all that type stuff. So um, yeah, I think that a, a lot of time resources, uh, time and treasure Right. Should go to to making sure that those kids have that foundation in K through two.
0: Yeah. What do you what are your thoughts on uh, parent involvement? So the school board, I'll, I'll just preface this a little bit. Um, you know, I, I am uh, I, what my one of my main experiences with the school board was uh, I went to question them in a meeting and, and a member that is no longer on the board, but was for a long time, told me that school board meetings were no place to question the school board. And my, you know, obviously that's a bit of a puzzling statement. Um, There's a lot of, there's a lot of furor nationwide over, you know, parent comments at uh, school board meetings. And some people, you know, have been over the top and verbose, but uh, verbose and, and, you know, almost to the point where it seems like they're threatening violence on other folks. And and we haven't really had that here, but we have had a school board that has been very um, unfriendly to input and comments from the public. I'm curious to know, what, is, uh, what are your views on that? How would you work to partner with parents and make sure that they feel like, even if we, not every suggestion they make is, is taken, um, how would you help them feel heard and feel like they're part of educating their kids?
1: Right, so, so every parent is a teacher and, and the first teacher of their child. Not every teacher is a parent. So I think, you know, having said that, I think we are, the school system is a service, we are in the service industry. Who are we serving? To me, in my mind, I picture a, you know a pyramid or triangle, and I look at the, the apex of that triangle. I look at students and their parents as our clientele. That is that is who we are servicing first. That's our main priority. Everything we do, everything that now we're not going to be able to to obviously make everybody happy. You know, there are decisions to be made, um, but you should take everybody's input. You know, and again, that's your clientele. You know, there are other stakeholders. Obviously, the other the other clients per se of the of the school board are obviously the teachers and the staff and faculty and staff. And I think that that's that goes hand in hand. Obviously, going back to what we were talking about earlier, or what you said earlier about you know good teachers, we we need to attract good faculty, good staff, great the best um, to provide that safe and quality learning environment for those students. Um, but you're 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 walking a balancing act because you're your third the, the third point of that triangle uh, is is this the taxpayers right right so you you're you need to be fiscally responsible to them as well um, so you know it's a balancing act but I think that if you go with every decision uh, go into every policy knowing that who you're who you're answering to which is the students and the parents that's who you're you know that's our job is to is to provide the best safest and most cost efficient service possible for our clients and like i said number 1 is students and parents number 2a is faculty and staff and 2b are the, the 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 taxpayers right
0: yeah i agree and i think you know we live in a society at this point where a lot of folks want to push the entire responsibility for the success of their children off on government schooling right and that's what it is everyone calls it public schools and sure you can call it that but it's government funded run by a government body um, and government schools are a tool that can help educate children but parents are primarily responsible for your children what what I don't see from the school board uh, what I don't see is willingness to have conversations and I think in you just in my conversations with you so far and what I heard you say I think I, what I hear you saying is when someone wants to have a conversation about things that are going on and wants to have input that you're willing to have a conversation with there's been a lot of fuss over the half cent sales tax that was passed last election cycle. I was one of the ones that was sort of leading the charge saying, Hey, you know, this is the fourth tax increase over, I believe it was like a three, three and a half year period. Mm-hmm. You know, how much more money do do you guys need? And the question is all the answer is always more. They just need it Seems right. like the school district is a never ending, uh, you know, never ending pit where they just want more tax dollars. Um, my idea, you know, I, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes because the school district doesn't necessarily tout a lot of what they do. Um, there's got to be a way to do more uh, school district uh, and, and private business partnerships to get things done. I know we, we see it in the athletic world all the time. There are private businesses involved. So I think your experience, I'm curious to hear like, how do we replicate that on a larger scale? Whereas so that as a school district, we're not coming hat in hand to the taxpayers uh, every time there's a new thing that needs to be paid for. All
1: right. So, you know, on the broader scale of, of the overall, school system and board I those are things that I'm gonna have to, to research and I'm not afraid to say you know when I don't know something sure uh, I'm gonna go find out right that's that's one thing that that's what you know getting voted voted in this position that's what you're you're supposed to do you're supposed to go to research and, and right and, uh, and on behalf of the people and that's why it's so important going back to your last question of why you're why you should be listening to people right. um, you know finding out what the the pain points are and seeing you know if like you said if they're legitimate you know, finding out what the, what the cure is. Um, so I can tell you from the athletic, you you mentioned athletics and obviously if there's anything that's underfunded in our school systems, it's, it's athletics. Right. Um, and, and usually again, going back, you're, you're usually doing dealing with, um, you know, um, sometimes the lower quartile of academic achievers. They're a brilliant athletes. Don't get me wrong. But lots of times, some of those kids, the only reason they go to school is to play athletics. So as far as the fundraising and business partnerships, that's one thing that I pride myself in. And it's actually one thing that catapulted me into private business was um, I found myself, I loved coaching football. I loved the strategy of it. I loved um, problem solving, figuring out, you know, the chess match of of football. Um, And, but I found myself meeting with more business members or you know, people in the, in our community uh, that were business owners out, cause I was asking for money. Right. You know, I was fundraising for a right. football team and um, you know, I, we partnered uh, with Zaxby's at Oakleaf high school. Um, and, and basically, you know, that was the springboard to, um, you know, filling the treasure chest, for our for our football players, I mean, we we were running a top notch uh, program over there uh, f- with pregame meals right. and charter buses and all that stuff, and none of that was coming from uh, from the county. That was right. all stuff that we did on our own. So I think you take that model and, and you partner with with business, and it's and it's happening. They're they're doing it now. I was at the, the last uh, um, the last school board meeting, and and there was a check cut from a from sure. a, a private uh, entity. Um, but I think you can take advantage of that more and more. And, and I think there needs to be, to your point, there needs to be more interaction with that and a concerted effort.
0: Right. Um, on the, yeah, on I think the more of orders. a plan is what I, I yep. me personally, and this interview is about you. I don't want to go too far, but I it just feels like sometimes uh, the school district and even the county commissioners outside of the school district just feels like we're always behind the eight ball and stuff is happening to us and dictating a reaction rather than, People being forward thinking and looking ahead and say, how do we proactively uh, navigate? And that was part of the complaint with the the half cent sales tax was, you know, they had $600 million of needs for Mm. maintenance on buildings that had been around for 20, 30 years. Like, hey, did you think they were going to be in, you know, good repair forever, right? right? Like, hey, let's think forward a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's a a tough... you know, it's a tough line to walk. Let's talk about um, one of the big boogeymen that that people were really upset about, even though it was never sort of a thing. But um, let's talk about COVID a little bit because it's sort of the elephant in the room has been for nearly two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, people are going to want to know where do you stand on mask mandates in school?
1: I'm for as little um, government as is, is possible. I'm not a, I'm am not a libertarian per se. I'm not. A, I mean, this is a nonpartisan race, so I don't want to get into uh, right you know, politics of it. Um, but I, I want the safest possible, um, schools that we can, we can provide our children. And that's my, my number one. Um, but I do not, I want people to have the freedom and the choice, um, right. going into situations. So I, I'm against the mandates, okay. um, you know, and I don't have a problem, problem, you know, standing on a, a table and saying that, right. Um, I want uh I wanna make the choices for my for my children. I wanna make the choices in my life. And I don't want the government telling me, you know, micromanaging me. Right. Or yep. my family.
0: Yeah, that that's where I stand in it too. I've been very out there. I, I think, you know, anybody who wants to wear a mask to school should be able to. But I also especially with the younger grades, I, I think uh nonverbal communication is very important for, mm-hmm. for the younger kids in the elementary level uh, when they're learning things. I know my daughter is very aware of her standing with her teachers based on facial cues and, and their sort of right. body language towards her. Sure. And I think you lose some of that with masks. Um, so in the numbers, I just don't, you know,
1: I've, I did, I've done some research. Uh, you know, I just don't see the numbers of that, that age demographic. Um, you know, obviously one life is too many. To, to lose, uh, especially when you're talking about children, but um, the, you know, to, to dictate that for the masses when so few people are affected by,
0: yeah. Uh, by what's yeah. Going on and, that. you know, with children in general, you know, the, the survival rate is something like 99.998% yep, even, you know, even in recent months with the Delta variant or whatever it is, it you know, there have been more impacts to children, but I'm with you there. It just looks like a lot of intrusion for mm-hmm. not necessarily, you know, uh, a thing that's really as as, as risky as, as some folks think it is. And I'm not begrudging anybody. You know, I know people that have died from it I know, sure. you know I have right. uh, family members, friends of family that have passed away from it, but I, I don't, you know, if we if we allow ourselves to just give all of our actions over to the government to be dictated to every time there's, you know, a new thing that pops up, I just think that's a dangerous road to walk. Um in there you're, have uh, I'm sorry. You're, yeah, no, in, go in ahead. anything man. you give up you're you're not getting back.
1: Yeah, the government they're, they're never not roll gets it back.
0: Yeah. You know, you know, I am a libertarian since you mentioned it, right? I'm not running so I can talk about me. Um, you know, and and the Republicans are just as bad on not giving back power and not not l- making the government smaller as the, you know, they they get upset at the Democrats for being. Um, but yeah, any right you cede to the government, uh, any right you cede to the government will not ever be given back to you and you know, I just think there's more effective ways. I think I think we have a health crisis in the country, and if you look at the data on a lot of the COVID stuff, even with children that are passing away, uh, like myself, man, I am like very much out of, like, listen, hey, straight up, I'm out of shape. I could be in a lot better shape. I wear masks in certain places like Walmart because God love Walmart, but yeah, I think you've got to balance personal choice with, uh, and, and in this case, what you said hits the nail on the head. I think parents need to be able to dictate, um, you know, those sorts of yeah. Uh, a mask is a medical device. I mean, it is, if we're going to treat it like something that prevents a disease, uh, it's a medical device. And I don't think that the government should be able to dictate, but anywho, um, yeah, so let's no, I, talk, uh, <laughs> let's talk about another controversial, uh, subject. I want to talk about, uh, common core. So we talked a little bit about, you, you uh, clearly have some experience with the education system. You, mm-hmm. you know what's going on. You sort of have a pulse for, for how that, how it works. Uh, you're not a rookie, not a novice. Right. um, a lot of people are really angry about common core and, and you know, you and I have discussed briefly before a lot of people don't even know what it is. Right. Um, I was shocked to learn last year when my daughter started kindergarten and they did uh, what I was always told was common core math where they do like, you know, seven plus seven plus three equals 10, but they did it in this weird way where there's boxes and you're lining things up. I was shocked to learn that that's how my brain works. When I did math in school, now this was 30 years ago, I struggled with the old traditional way of teaching, like here's how you do addition and subtraction, but like I look at some of the common core stuff and it was a light bulb for me because I was one of those a long time ago. I was like, oh, common core is evil. It's some communist nonsense, which it is, just isn't, but you still hear people say that, right? Um, so what are your thoughts on common core? Is it evil? Is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? What what is what does Derek Cipolletti think about it?
1: You know, I think... the the critical race theory. I don't think anybody really knows what, what it is right now. There's so much information and misinformation out there on it. So I'm doing more research on it, but I can tell you this, uh, anything that teaches kids to, to hate each other or hate our country. I I don't think, I don't think we should be teaching uh, anything that's telling kids what to think. I think we need to teach kids how to think we need to give them facts we need to give them uh, all the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and I think that, you know, I was a history teacher. I was social, you know, did U.S., world, American government. Um, there were there were no facts that I left out. Right. You know, I mean, that when we were studying a subject, I, I showed them, again, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then we had open discussions about those, those things. Um, so if you're... You know, if you're talking about Jim Crow, if you're talking about slavery and you're talking about, you know, all the the you know bad things that the United States, you know, from the beginning had going on, you got to talk about all the all the the changes and how those changes came about.
0: Yeah. And there, there are good things that have happened throughout That's the right. history of any, any, need. there's good and bad.
1: Exactly. Right. What,
0: Except maybe you know. France. No one likes France. <laughs> you know, France sucks. I think we all as Americans agree that France is terrible and nobody likes France, but, but it, other nations, there's good and bad.
1: Right. And if you realize that the, the, the demographics, obviously uh, there were demographics left out uh, and life, liberty and pursuit of happiness was not for everybody. When, when our founding fathers, right. You know, created, uh, you know, our, our constitution and bill of rights. Um, but that has evolved and and we're trying to get better. And and I just, I just know that, uh, you know, I I believe that our country is the best in the world. Um, and, um, you know, and that's why people are, are fighting to come here, uh, you know, every, every day.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I think a nuanced opinion and a nuanced approach to everything is good. Um, you know, I think it's silly to say that America is all bad. It's silly to say that it's all good either. Um, You know, uh, so you have to, you have to approach history with an understanding that, that people in those times didn't think the way we thought about certain things. And you have to to look at the context of, uh, and it doesn't excuse like, you know, it doesn't excuse a rebellion being fought (laughs) by Southern states to, keep slaves at the, at a time where the rest of the world sort of realized like, Hey, maybe this is not a cool thing to do anymore. Maybe we should not be doing this. Right. But um, you know, there's also a greater context. America is not the only nation that has done good and bad. Right. There, there is a bigger historical context um, and critical race theory is, is also one of those things like, uh, like common core where people don't understand what they're talking about. Nobody knows what it is. I don't fully understand what it is. And I've done a lot of research on it trying to figure out like, what the heck is it? Right. Uh, and I think people's fear is that, that it, the way that it seems to creep into some school systems is, um, based on your race or the color of your skin, you are either good or bad. You are historically an oppressor or oppressed. And I think some of those ways of thinking are dangerous. Um, you know, I, I think because with little kids, they don't. They, until you, you teach them a concept that skin color is an indication of good or bad, like they, there is no con, like my six year old daughter, like she has wanted to be all sorts of different people, like for Halloween. Like there was a big fuss over Halloween a couple years ago where like all white kids could not dress as like Moana. Yeah, cultural. Like she looks at someone like Moana and she just sees this character that she loves. The movie's awesome. She loves the song. Yeah. She loves everything. She doesn't think she there's not a thought in her little brain about like that. Well, her skin color is different than mine, so I shouldn't be her for Halloween, right? And I think we. Society teaches kids that over time, um, so we just have to be careful that the school district doesn't, any school district, not just ours, but, but any isn't teaching that to children also, right? Well, I can like,
1: tell you right now, we're, we're currently, you know, our school, our school system is not teaching it. Um, you know, I, I can, you know, I've, I've done my research on that. I know they're not teaching it here in Clay County. Um, you know, will that come knocking on the door? Uh, I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that it will be at some point there, it'll be, um, something that, that we will have to, to look at, uh, not, not look at as far as implementing, but we'll have to face it. Um, right. so, um, yeah. And, and again, what is it, you know, if it's telling my, my child or your child or anyone's child that they, that they are, um, inherently, uh, this because of their skin color, I, I don't like it. That, right. that, to me, that's that's racist.
0: Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and and some people take it too far. Um, some people it, because they haven't done any research on what it actually is. Um, there was some a uh, little bit of uh, fuss over a training uh, video training that that Kelly Services that does all the substitute. Uh, placements for the county did where they had it was essentially some some racial sensitivity training right so it wasn't like teach kids that they're good or bad it was actually talking to the person who's going to be in the school district understanding that there are children that might be in the school district who aren't who didn't grow up in the culture that is clay county or Mm -hmm. florida or even america so one of the examples that they gave um was you know if a kid comes from and i forget in which country it was there there was a country where when a child is being admonished by an adult it is considered disrespectful to look that adult in the eye or in the face while they're doing it. They're taught from a young age to look down when they're being admonished. Right. So you have to be aware of those things. So if you're coaching a child up in your class or getting onto them for something, giving them some positive or negative discipline, and they're not making eye contact with you and they're from a different culture, you maybe have to think, well, maybe in that culture that they're from, it's, it's okay to be aware and be sensitive and be thinking about, you know, and there are some people who are upset because they can't make racist jokes anymore. Right. Like, well, you know, I can't, I can't be a volunteer in the school system and make a joke about, you know, African-Americans or or Mexican people like, well, okay, well you probably shouldn't have been doing that. It's probably not a very nice thing to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Um, so.
1: and, And wrong. It's not just inappropriate. It's wrong. But where I'm going is all I can say is when I was teaching and when I was coaching, I tried to take every student, and treat them like I would want my child to be treated.
0: And if that, and I think that's the key. Like you have to, if, and I would tell you if you're an educator and, and you're, and I don't, I don't know that we have very many in Clay County and you don't have a passion for children uh, and you're, you're not looking at those kids as if they are your own in terms of how you treat them respectfully and wanting them to be successful. Um, you know, maybe you're in the wrong profession, right? Exactly maybe right. it's time you to are. make a change. Um, so we've talked about a lot of different things, I guess, you know, what, what I always like to ask people, uh, let, let's say you are elected to school board, um, you know, and, and you have a, a some some sway over what the future of the Clay County School District looks like. What In a perfect world, what does the future of the Clay County School District look like for you?
1: Uh, you know, like I, I, I guess I'll go back to, I'll defer back to what I said earlier, uh, or go back to what I said earlier. Um, I want to provide the the safest and and best quality education, cost efficient service we can we can provide. Um, what does that look like? That looks like um, for and, and that's for all students, right? So making sure that uh, we have a college track and trade and and trades, uh, you know. And, and I understand we do have that currently. I'd like to make it where, um, and and I know you'll probably ask some questions about school choice and charter schools and stuff down the road. But I would like for that to ultimately be in the neighborhood schools, um, you know, where, you know, kids are vested in their community, in their local community, right. Not just the overall clay County, but in their local communities, they have pride in their local community. They have pride in their neighborhood school. Right. And, and that a neighborhood school can provide all the necessities, uh, and extracurriculars for that student quality, whether, whether it's athletics, whether it's uh, the trades, whether it's uh, you know again music or band or right. all those things, uh, the whole nine yards. I, I knew as uh, when, as a coach, I would talk about it all the time. We are just a, a a spoke in the wheel of the overall education, um, in, in a small part of it, and um, um in, in so making sure that there's quality all around uh, to provide. Um, for that, hopefully, what's that renaissance student and, and and be able to provide, you know, again, the, the best education in, in STEM, the best education in, um, in music, the best education on the football field or in the, on the basketball court. You know, that's that's ultimately the, the vision that I have. And then if we can't, you know, I guess what I'm going to try to do is, is keep as many special pupil assignments Keep that number down as as many as possible, right? Right?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting you talked about um, you know school choice because that is another thing, and and um, school choice has been another hot button issue, right? Um, some people hate charter schools and swear they're the devil. Other people think that you have to have, I, I, and I am sort of in this camp. I think um, in a lot of cases, government school districts become stagnant right? There's not a lot of innovation. You're sort of locked into a certain path and doing it a certain way. Um, And I think sometimes if done correctly and implemented correctly, uh, charter schools can offer an alternative that, that incentivizes both the charter school and the, the government schools to, to do more and better, right? Uh, Where do you stand on charter schools? I'm, I am for them. I, I, again, I
1: want my ultimate goal would be to have, the neighborhood schools provide everything that the, a student, a parent needs, but they need to have an alternative as well. Um, and I think the charter school provides that. Um, and I think that the charter school's competition is not with the public schools per se; it's with the it's with the private schools, right? So um, you know, if if that if if we aren't giving, or if if it's the um, if in the mind of the parent or the child that we're not providing through the neighborhood school, I'd much rather keep them. In, in some umbrella of the of the of the public school system, uh, in the charter schools, right. uh, than having to go out in, in, in private school. Now I will say this: my my two older sons were products of, of public schools. My oldest one graduated from Oakleaf High School. Uh, my younger one did most of his high school in in the in the county uh, between Oakleaf and Fleming. Uh, didn't graduate from here. He he, he moved uh, and graduated from in New Jersey. Right. but uh, my daughter is in, in private school yeah and and that's my my choice and
0: and yeah the school district that can't I mean it should meet the needs of every student but we know that they don't right, right. they just don't and and, and it's not always um, there, there are different types of special needs I know there are some kids uh, some people that I know that have kids that are in uh, like gifted programs in other right. either charter or private schools because, and it's not a knock against the gifted programs that are in schools now, but they, they saw something in their kid that they're like, I need, I, I want to pour extra into them because I believe that if we, you know, I, I think parents should have the choice to, um, to make that choice when they have the luxury to do so. And it is a luxury, like even with charter schools, like there's no bus. If sure. you live in Keystone Heights and you want to go to St. John's classical Academy, which is one of the charter schools here, there's no bus is going to get you there. Right. So your parents are going to have to figure out how to get you there. So th- there is a, um, uh, subset of the overall population of students that can actually attend the charter schools from, because some of those challenges, but, and that's one of the reasons that people want to vilify uh, charter schools. Uh, and I don't think that's a valid reason. I have concerns about who's making money off some of this stuff, right? They get public funds and then they turn it into to sort of a, a way to, to generate a profit, which, which I think is, is problematic at best. Right. Um, but I do think that private and charter school alternatives, like I said, uh, to, um, Government schools breed competition, which breeds innovation, which means sure competition uh, which, isn't isn't bad.
1: We're in America, right? Co- competition is awesome. I I love competition. I you know I'm competing every day in the private sector. I was competing every day in the public sector. You know when I was teaching, right. I was trying to be the best teacher I could be. I was trying to be the best foot provide the best football program I could provide for the kids. Right. Um. I love competition. That's what I. I'm. Yeah. Competition
0: you know, teaches you a lot about yourself. It teaches you yeah. you know how to how to function under adversity. And I think uh, you know. You know, a lot of public schools are, are afraid of competition. Um, so another thing that, that people always ask me about are standardized tests. Right? Well, I was just going to yeah. hit on that. So sorry to interrupt you,
1: but no, no, worries. I wanted to go back to my daughter going to private school. The reason she was in private, I mean, she's she's ten years old, and it was, it was she was entering school when I was leaving education. Right, and it was that was there was no coincidence. Right, uh, Common Core. I was not a fan of. Right, um, we're getting out of Common Core now. You right. know, we're going to the Florida Florida best, which uh, which is eliminating some of the standardized testing and incorporating more civics and simplifying the math. Going sure. back to uh, some of that traditional stuff we were talking about, you know. And again, people learn learn differently, so um, the best standards in math is is going to keep some of the conceptual math that Common Core brought in, but return to some more of the traditional practices such as memorization of right. multiplication, uh, you know, times tables, all that good stuff. Um, so I think it's going to be a happy medium. Uh, and you're gonna have to have some type of measuring stick right to right to, you, know, cause you have to have know.
0: some sort of testing to know how how well a child's retaining not necessarily in a uh, you know punitive way to say hey you're not doing well enough you know little Johnny that, that took this test but the, the teachers need a way to gauge how effectively the child is learning right, right. and I think that's exactly. where tests are a good tool when state governments start tying it to all sorts of things like performance evaluations and, and things like that. I think you could argue that, you know, um, I know for a fact that there are a lot of students. The reason I, have, reason I personally have an issue with uh, the standardized tests as they exist now tied to teacher performance evaluations is that if a child has a situation at home that is not good and the parents aren't involved or the parents aren't around or there's dangerous things or other things happening that the school district or teacher doesn't know about and that child's home life is not solid, there are a lot of students that no matter how much teaching and 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 sound uh, you know work and, and effort they put in at school will help them to be any more successful than they're being. Right. right. And it's not a knock against that student. That's human nature. Mm-hmm. If you have a problem at home, like even as adults, if we have a huge problem or something crazy is going on at home um, you know, we're less effective at work. Like there are some things that, that just distract you from being able to accomplish other things. And, and, you know, so when we tie standardized testing to, um, you know, things like that, or when we tie it to district funding, um, and, and another problem I have with standardized testing is that, uh, there's a lot of questions around these companies that make the tests Mm -hmm. and data they collect on the children. And then what do they do with that data? and I don't know if you've ever gone down the route, I've done it several times to try to get questions answered by these companies.
1: Hard to come by. Boy,
0: do they not like when you question them. (laughs) Uh, You know, they refer you to the school district who tries to bounce you back to them and nobody wants to answer, right? So there's a lot of questions there. I think you you have to under, you gotta be careful what the goal is with the test, right? Like what's, is the goal to help the student get better and learn more effectively? Then the test is probably okay. If the goal is for the, the state to argue with teachers unions over who gets paid what and how much, I think that's problematic, right?
1: Yeah. And you look at it from the teacher standpoint, you know, again, when I was teaching, you know, there would be a month of school that you, school just shut down, right. With for yeah, testing. It's still that way. It yeah, still happens. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm not for that. I think that, um, you know, the education, the, the testing and being able to pass those tests should be the byproduct of a great curriculum. Yep. Not, not, Dictating where the curriculum is going.
0: Yeah, and I think the same way with with uh, the way that teachers teach also. There should be a framework and, and guidelines and and rules, but you ha- you also have to give teachers some freedom. So I talked about this with somebody the other day. There are two elementary schools in the county that I have a little bit of information on because I talk to people that work there. One of them uses Chromebooks a lot more than the other mm-hmm. school. Neither, I think, are doing anything wrong. There's one principal that, that sees that the students there are learning more effectively by not using Chromebooks, maybe doing things written down more or whatever they're doing. There's another principle that sees that the students at her school learn more effectively when they more heavily use the Chromebooks. Right. And, and that's just an example. We have to give administrators and teachers a little bit of free, free reign to figure out for their students. If we expect them to perform at a certain level, what's the best for those students. And, and yeah. I think sometimes things like standardized tests and other stuff can be a little too restrictive. So, um, <clears throat> school safety let's talk about that a little bit a um, lot of folks were upset about the school district police department being created I was one of them I think it's still think it's a waste of money that's not a knock against the human beings there got nothing sure. against the, the folks that work there um, have you given any thought to or would you be in favor of there there are a lot of people who want the school district to dissolve the school district police department and go back to the old way of having a deputy from CCSO in right. the schools Do you have any thoughts on that
1: so we had um, When I was there, it was prior to the school system uh, creating their own uh, police force or police department. We had Daniel Eshelman, who I'll I'll give a shout out to here uh, on this podcast, was one of the best human beings um, and and police officers that I've I've ever been around. I mean, just would light up lights up a room. Everybody loves him. Was great for our our campus um kids loved him faculty loved him staff loved him um so i was very i was very sad to see it go that way because i knew we were we were going to be losing or you know the school system was going to be losing daniel eshelman right other than that i uh, that's one point of research that i'm going to be doing here over the right. next couple months okay. I, I want um i'm wanting to reach out to sheriff cook Um, I want to talk with, uh, I want to find out again, what's the most efficient way? What, what is the best way to do this? Yeah. Um, you know, does, does Sheriff Cook want? Yeah, that's a big question. And I don't know,
0: like I've had, you know, I interviewed her when she was running last year and I've had a couple, you know, very brief, hello, how you doing conversations? I'm not, I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm not friends with her by any uh, stretch of the imagination, so I don't. I don't want to speak for her, but I don't know that anyone's asked her that question, right? Like, right. has anyone asked Sheriff Cook? Like, could you even pull it off? Like, could right. she? You know, there are staffing issues all over a bunch of different industries, and I don't know if uh, you know law enforcement is one that's feeling that same sort of. Staffing pressure, but like you know, if we were to go to CCSO today and say, "Hey, we need like 40 officers to come back in the school like in five months," could is that even feasible? Like, right. is that a fair ask to go? You know, ask the ask CCSO to do? I if right off the top of my head, and again, this is not a
1: position that I'm giving you here, yeah. but off the top of my head, I would think that you know what is what is law enforcement? You do they they specialize in law enforcement, and what do right. school boards do? They they should be. Our school system should be concentrating and specializing and educating children. Right. So to me, that doesn't, it's not, you know, uh, it's not something in their purview. Um, but again, it boils down to, to this question and answer boils down to dollars. And if we can save
0: dollars, it makes sense. Yeah. If we can per- make sure that schools are safe by doing it a different way. I think, you know, most people with the exception of a few are. Are in are you know would be willing to, to at least look at it? Um, so you know, I, I, I that I really think is everything we wanted to that I wanted to cover with you. Um, so I'll give you, um, you know, what I give everybody towards the end of when we talk here. Give me the 30 second elevator pitch of why everyone should vote for Derek Cipolletti for school board.
1: I said earlier, you know, there's gonna be things that I, I don't know, um, there's gonna be things that I'm gonna be. You know, any type of transition, there's going to be, um, you know, things that I'm going to have to, you said it, the, the term, and I love it. You don't know what you don't know, yep. right? Uh, so you got to get into the job and to, to really know what the, what's the meat of the, the matters, right? right? Um, but I can tell you this, I'm going to work hard for the students and the, the parents. Uh, I have, I have, uh, family that are still teachers in our County, um, uh, and I I come from a long line. My son's a a teacher in Georgia, so I I know what it takes to be a good teacher, effective teacher. Um, I will back and support uh, the good teachers of our, of our County and the the faculty and staff of our County. Um, And, um, and if I don't know something, like I said, if I don't know something, I'm going to find out and and listen to the, the people around me. Um, take input, I should say, from the people around me. I think, um, you know, technology is important important to me. You said it uh, about Chromebooks. I think, you know, getting to a point where we have one-on-one uh, technology, you know, providing the opportunity for every kid to have Internet, which I think they've worked on so far, right. um, to have access to computers, laptops, et cetera, uh, is huge. Um, and, and obviously that's the wave of the future, right? I mean, There's jobs that are are not even created yet. Yeah.
0: Technology is not going away, so we got to (laughs) stop being afraid of it. Exactly.
1: Right. Um, and dealing with the massive growth and, and, um, you know, I think I'm a problem solver is the bottom line. And and when they come, I'm going to try to find out the, the best and most efficient way to, to, to get the job done. And and, and, in a collaborative nature, I mean, right. Um, you know, obviously there I'm I'm one of I will be one of four people that are having to make these decisions on policies and governance of our school board right uh, and and those need to be uh, those relationships need to be professional
0: yeah you need to have functional professional relationships exactly with right yeah and there's not
1: you know there's not um, I know I'm probably going over the 30 seconds no second you're good pitch, no worries. the you know the bottom line is is that you know we're not going to agree with everybody Uh, all the time. And, and there's lots of, um, there's lots of recommendations or opinions that will be, will float around and you'll have to listen to all those. But at the end of the day, um, we're going to be tasked with making decisions for our County. And, um, and like I said, you know, we're, we're not, um, we're not perfect beings. And again, going back to the United States of America and people in general, we're, we're, You know we're not perfect, and and there will be um, uh, there will be I don't know mistakes. There there will be things along the way that we will improve on and continue to improve on. And that's that's all I can say is I will look myself in the mirror every day and try to 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 make the people around me better. And and that's that's the ultimate reason why I'm uh, why I'm running for school board.
0: Yep, you want to be the Tom Brady of uh, the uh, <laughs> there, uh, Clay County Clay County School go. District School Board, right? So go. cool, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, I appreciate you making time for me. Uh, I know people appreciate hearing from you uh, directly on a lot of these issues. And uh, wish you wish you best of luck in the election. Thank you so much again.
1: Thank you for your time.